When they were gathered, they were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they began to tread one upon the other. He began to say to his disciples, first of all, Beware, you beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which you have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more than they can do. But I forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Having said these things, he said, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Even the very hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. I say to you, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. He that denieth me before men, before the angels of God. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, who was faithful for over 60 years in teaching the Word of God throughout the Northwest and Canada. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our name, the Unchanging Word, is committed to the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His eternal Word always has been and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, Jesus now speaks and warns His disciples of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now, the word hypocrisy means to act under a guise, wearing a costume to give the appearance of reality. While well, these religious rulers were doing this, they were playing the part of having a relationship with God which they did not have. They proved this by rejecting Jesus, God's Son. There was no reality or truth in them. Jesus warns us, his disciples, of these kinds of religious leaders. We are to keep our eyes and ears on Jesus, who is the truth. Well, next, Jesus gives us his encouragement about the detail of God's care for each one of us. Dr. Mitchell relates that even our times are in his hands. And during these times, we can confess Jesus as our Savior and Well, here's Dr. Mitchell, Luke chapter 12, verse 1, on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. We're very happy again to come to you as we continue our studies in the Gospel through Luke. I sincerely hope that every one of you who are listening in, especially those of you who do it every day, will read and reread this Gospel through Luke. You know, even though I have been reading my Bible for a great many years, I'm amazed, continually amazed, at our Savior, how he dealt with people, how he dealt with leaders, how he dealt with those in need, 
how he dealt with publicans and sinners. Sometimes I'm amazed at his compassion and tenderness and love for men and women, and then his righteous indignation concerning religious leaders who should have known better. They did know better, but they were hypocrites. And as we come now to the 12th chapter of the Gospel through Luke, we take where the Lord warns his disciples about this very thing. You remember in chapter 11, he has been denouncing the sins of the day, especially the sins of the Pharisees and scribes and priests. And of course, this made them mad at him. And uh, having rebuked them, I read at the end of the chapter, they began to urge him vehemently. That is, they tried to catch the Lord. They pressed upon him. Uh, they would shout things at him to try something upon which they could lay hold of to accuse him. This was true. Uh, and now when we come to chapter 12, the Lord turns around and begins to instruct and talk to his disciples about these very common things of society, things of the heart. And in the, first, and in the first 12 verses, he warns them against hypocrisy. And you remember hypocrisy was the great sin of the Pharisees. But first of all, the warning in the first five verses. Allow me to read chapter 12, verses 1 to 5. In the meantime, when they were gathered, there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they began to tread one upon the other. He began to say to his disciples, first of all, Beware, you beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which you have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more than they can do. But I forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Now, I've read these first five verses of chapter 12 to pick up uh, the background concerning our Lord's instructing his disciples. You know, he's been speaking to them as well as to the multitude. Oftentimes he turned from the multitude to his disciples and gave them a special warning. And here is one of those warnings. He warns against hypocrisy. Now, a hypocrite is one who wears the mask. And with these Pharisees, the leaven of the Pharisees, uh, which was hypocrisy, uh, covered up with formalism and ceremonialism. Now remember that these Pharisees were the conservatives of the day, in contrast to the Sadducees. Now, here are two religious groups in Israel. Pharisees would be comparable to the conservatives today, and the Sadducees would be comparable to the liberals of the day because the Sadducees denied supernatural things. Do you remember they denied resurrection? Uh, how often the Lord and the Sadducees locked horns on this question of the supernatural. It may be well for me to suggest this and to give a warning concerning it. Now, the Pharisees, first of all, were a movement that started in the Maccabean area, in the, in the Maccabean area. 
Do you remember when uh, Antiochus Epiphanes uh, offered a sow on the altar in the house of God and of how the Maccabees uh, got together and there was quite a, quite a furor in the country. Now these Pharisees were a godly, a godly group of people. And it was the Pharisees and was a godly movement at the very beginning. They were concerned about the character of God. They were concerned about the worship of God. They meant business. But it had degenerated in our Lord's day to a group of, of those who were extremely religious, uh, but empty in their hearts. With their mouth they praised the Lord and their hearts were far from him. Uh, in fact, all right on down through our Lord's ministry, you remember those of some of his most uh, active opponents were the Pharisees. They were nothing else but full of empty profession. Oftentimes, a movement starts in the presence and power of God. I am persuaded in my own mind that a great many of our so-called denominations, we talk about the different sects, among Protestants. I think oftentimes they were started because of godly men who were wanting to glorify the Lord and could not do it in the scope of the church in which they were. In fact, oftentimes they were put out. And as they were zealous for God and for the word of God and for the souls of men, the result was that uh, I don't think the men meant to start another church or another organization, but the thing just developed. And this is the history of the professing church. And after a while, after persecution ceases, and they go on, first thing you know, they, they, they hold the same doctrines, but they don't have the life and power that the original men had. So it is here with the Pharisees, started by a godly group of men who, were, who rebelled against the, the formalism and the idolatry of the day. And they were out for God. But as I say, they had degenerated now into a, a mere formalism. Uh, they wore the mask. They outwardly, as our Lord accused them, outwardly they were a gilded suffragus, but they were full of dead men's bones. The danger of empty profession. Now, unless someone speaks about this question of leaven, maybe I should mention this. When our Lord says in verse 1, you beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, there are those who believe that leaven is, is goodness. They speak about the leaven of the gospel. No such thing in the Bible. Leaven is always looked upon as evil. You go even go back to your Old Testament when it came to some of the um, feasts of, of the Jews. They were to take every phase, every part of leaven out of their homes, were to eat unleavened bread and so forth and so on. Uh, I don't want to go into the detail of it except to just mention the fact that leaven speaks of evil. And the leaven of the Pharisees was hypocrisy. Uh, the leaven of the Herodians, for example, was, was, was politics. Uh, we have a lot of religious politics today, politicians today, and, and trying to do the work of God through politics. Never, never, never in the Scriptures. The Sadducees, the leaven of the Sadducees was uh, liberalism, uh, denying of the, of the supernatural. One could go on. And the call here is for reality. 
And he goes on in verses 2 through 5. There is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, nothing hid that shall not be made known. I tell you, we are to fear God because every idle word is going to be brought into subjection to him. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which you have spoken in the ear in the closet shall be proclaimed from the housetop. In other words, nothing going to be hid, not a thing hid. The Lord said every idle word will be brought into judgment. My friends, listen, you can't fool God. You can hide things from people. That's not hard to do sometimes. But you're going to be naked before God. He's the one with whom you have to do. And so he goes on to say in verse 4 and 5, I say to you, my friends, be not afraid of them which kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. That's the end of it. I'll tell you who to fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. In other words, I said a while ago, a Pharisee is one who wears the mask. That's what a hypocrite is. One who wears a mask. God, one of these days, is going to tear off the mask. And every idle word, every thought, is going to be for, brought before him. This calls for reality. I tell you, we're not to fear man. We are to fear God. You remember Hebrews 9.27 says, it is appointed unto men once to die. Then what? Then what? Judgment. Judgment. You'll be naked before him, before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. I tell you, my friend, he knows. Again, may I remind you of the 139th Psalm, that amazing Psalm, which speaks of the fact that every thought, every thought, he knows every thought that passes through your head, he knows the very desires of your heart. He can't hide from him. I repeat it again, he's going to tear the mask off. Would it not then be a point of wisdom for us to be real in what we are? We've got to stand before God. And I repeat it, you may fool men. You may fool men all your lifetime. And when men say to me, why, Mitchell, I can take a... I'm not afraid to stand before God with a mask torn off, with a mask torn off. Every word, every thought, every action of your life laid bare before a holy God. My friend, you'll be glad to get out of his presence. You'll be glad to get out of his presence. And don't carry that arrogant spirit that you can stand before God. The only people who can stand before God are those who are in Christ, covered with all the righteousness of the Savior, having every sin forgiven, put away. History gone, forgotten, the case closed, standing before God in all the beauty and righteousness of Christ. Unless you're there, stand. And the Lord, as I say, the Lord is warning his disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. God, one of these days, is going to tear the mask off. You better fear God rather than men. And then you have the encouragement from verses 6 to 12. Having said these things, he said, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, 
and not one of them is forgotten before God. Even the very hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. I say to you, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. He that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. Let me just stop here, first of all. The encouragement. Will you notice the detail of the care of God? Your Father knows all our needs. He knows, he knows all that we have, and He cares for us in spite of our frailty. And then He turns around and uses an illustration. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? Not one of them is forgotten of God. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. You know, how we Christians fail to realize the care of God for us. Can I just stop here a minute? We Christians, you know, are, uh, we're rich, we're the heirs of God. We live like paupers. And he cares for us even when we stand before men. Allow me to quote a little thing that I read somewhere sometime. Nothing is too little for God to create. Hence, there is nothing too little for God to preserve. If God orders his creation, will he not do the same for his children? And what pleases God should please us. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? Five, five sparrows sold for two farthings? <laughs> you ever think of it? One sparrow less than the value of a, of a farthing. And not one of them is forgotten before God. They have no barns, as we shall say later on. They have no barns. They, they don't store things up. They haven't the capacity for that. All they do is live and eat and sleep, and God takes care of them. And if God takes care of the smallest thing in his creation, will he not care for you who are his children? Oh, Christian, us for our lack of trusting the Lord. There's not a minute of the day, there's not a second of the day that he ever leaves you, he cares for you, he loves you. I'm talking about those of you who are his children, those who put their trust in the Savior. And if God orders his creation, he'll take care of you and of me. You know, someone as well said, you can take the telescope and you, you can gaze into the heavens and you can never get to the end of it. And then you can take a microscope and take the most powerful microscope right down to an atom, less than an atom. And God takes care of the whole thing. It's an amazing thing what God does and cares for the smallest thing in his creation. This whole world made up of molecules and atoms, if God didn't take care of them, we'd all fall to pieces, you and me too. Are we not much more value than many sparrows? Man was made and is the only one who was made, as far as I know, the only one made in the image of God. Don't you think God will take care of his own? 
Why, it says here, even the very hairs of your head are numbered. I remember reading Campbell Morgan one time on this, and Campbell Morgan said somebody, Dr. Morgan, isn't it somewhere in the Bible where it says that God numbers our hairs, the very hairs of your head, uh, that he counts the hairs of your head? And he said, no, that isn't, that's not in the Bible. It doesn't say in the Bible that he counts the hairs of our head. He numbers them. They're all numbered. Friend, if God takes care of the sparrows and numbers the hairs of your head and bottles your tears and counts your steps and our times are in his hands, can't you trust yourself to him? Listen, unsaved friend, what do you have? Whom do you have? Don't you think it'd be a point of wisdom for you to sit down and, and consider what you have before God, the relationship between you and God? And then he goes on to say in verses 8 down through 9, he even makes provision for the question or the importance of confession. Not only does the Lord care for us, but he wants us to confess it before men. Whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. And he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. Here you have the importance of confession. No wonder Paul could say in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, the last few verses, about verses 15, 16, said, We are a sweet savor unto God, both in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are a savor of life unto life. And to the other, we are a savor of death unto death. And who is sufficient for these things? Likewise, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16, you remember? The care of God for his own, I read, and God hath prepared for them a city. That verse, you remember, says, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Who? The ones who confess him. God is not ashamed of the ones who confess him and he hath prepared for them a city. Oh, the, the wonders of God. Open confession on earth brings forth open confession in heaven. So I say it's very important that we who are Christians, we ought to let men know about the Savior. And how can men know about him? Unless we confess him. And he empowers us to do that. That's why the Spirit of God indwells us that we might bear testimony that the world may know that we have a God who not only saves us for, for eternity, but saves us every day. It's a funny thing about us Christians. We'll trust God with our souls for eternity, but we'll not trust him for the next 24 hours for our daily need. No wonder. One of the very first things was what? Give us our, give us our daily bread. Give us day by day our daily bread. God's provision for his people. Yes, and he is going to make you rich in this world's goods. He's promised to take care of you. And if he takes care of five little old sparrows, spuggies we used to call them, just worth two farthings, two little mites, are you not of much more value than many sparrows? Oh, Christian friend, I don't know what your tests are or what your trouble is or what your afflictions are or how deep your sorrow we have a heavenly Father who cares. You are continually the object 
of his care. You may not understand all that God does or allows to be done, but he cares for you. And in his own wonderful way, he'll not only meet your need, he'll bring you through rejoicing and a Savior who's enough for all our needs. Now the Lord wonderfully, wonderfully bless you today. I desire that my life shall be ordered by thee, that my will be in perfect accord with thine own will, thy desire to fulfill my wonderful Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.